Welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me today I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Uh, look, yeah, I'm okay. It could certainly be better. A couple of wins would have would have had me um, bouncing off the walls, but it's a bit uh, a bit more of a, a somber mood. Maybe somber is too strong a word, but um, yeah, not a bit disappointing this morning and on the weekend. Well, certainly. I mean, this time last week when we were doing our episode, we were sitting in the heady heights of first on the table. We're now sitting down in, I think, 15th or something, but 18th. But, of course, it's three games in. The table doesn't mean too much at this stage. But you're right. I think the two losses in a row, it's never going to be something that you want to see as a supporter, um, especially after starting the season with such a fantastic win. Um, It's a bit... I don't want to use the word reality check. I think, you know, the performance is... Just kind. Of, I mean, maybe it is a reality check in the sense that I think people probably after that first game thought, oh, we can just kind of carry on like we did last season and this has brought us back down to earth a little bit with expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, I guess we'll talk through that QPR game first of all, the 3-0 loss at home. Um, I'm not a huge one for expected goal stats, but it did look like I think it was like one expected goal for us, one expected goal for them just about. So it was... In terms of shot creation, we were creating a lot of good chances. Matt Smith had the shot cleared off the line. Magenis had the shot saved by the keeper. Lewis Potter had one as well that, that was a really good chance as well. So we seem to create a lot against the side that's been tipped by a lot of people as being a playoff contender. So pretty pretty positive performance despite the result. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think there was it was a pretty strong performance. I thought it was a really, really good game to watch despite us obviously being on the on the wrong end of the scoreline. Um, lots of good performances all round, um, and just let down by set pieces. Really, I think even if it was it was just the one the one nil, it's probably easy to take. Or one if it stays one nil, or we don't like concede those two from the set pieces, it's you know potentially becomes a very different sort of a game. But um, yeah, just disappointing. I think the red card obviously didn't help, but. What were your thoughts on that one? I don't know what he was thinking. That's pretty much it. Like, I I saw them try to appeal it. I was a bit confused because he pretty clearly got him. He, he made contact and it was above, like, it was pretty hard. Like, it wasn't huge contact. Like, it wasn't straight on. It was sort of a bit of a skimming sort of contact. Yeah. But it's, it's dangerous play. That's what it, it comes down to. It's one of those ones where it's it's more the action, right? It's not the intent. It's not the consequence. Like it didn't actually break his leg or anything. But as yeah. you say, it's more the action. It's the recklessness of it and the fact that that action is not what you want. Yeah, and I know like the even within my local comp, the refs have been told like that they're clamping down on like tackles from behind and on anything that like goes over the top of the ball and all those sorts of things. So, you know, they'd be getting told the same information. They just you just got to be careful. And I. And, you know, he just in the heat of the moment, you sort of do these things, but, you know, it was on the edge of their 18-yard box. It wasn't really a position where you desperately needed to make a great lunging tackle. So, um, yeah, just a bit of a brain snap. But I thought, apart from that, look, he was really good. Um, I thought he he offers, he actually, in the first couple of games we've seen, offers quite a lot um, going forward and, and, you know, really good work rate. Um, the fact that he was the option that went out wide and, um, you know, performed quite well out there as well, um, you know, obviously shows he's got a bit of a motor. Um, 
and he's willing to, you know, put in a shift for the lads. So that's that they're positives. Um, sort of unfortunately, we miss him for another couple of games now, though. Yeah, certainly. And another one that's probably going to be missing for a little while, at least, is um, Longman, who who was the reason that Moncur got shifted out wide. Went off with a suspected groin injury, I guess. So hopefully that's not too bad and he's back before too long. Um, you know, reasonable debut from him. I was really excited to see him after the signs we'd seen in pre-season, I guess. Uh, missed the first game of the season with COVID. So, uh, you know, probably wasn't quite up to scratch for the QPR clash um, as a result, but looked promising enough. Um, saw some signs there that he'll be a good player for us this season. And Matt Smith, when he came on, I thought was terrific as well. So he he was really exciting in, in the middle of the park. I already mentioned, you know, we had a good chance from him saved or cleared off the line. Um, so he's one that's going to be a pretty important player this season, I'd think. Yeah, look, I um, I think what's probably interesting about Longman is like he, I didn't see any indication that he injured himself, but the McCann afterwards said like he could tell he wasn't moving right. Um, and so he pulled him off just mostly as a precaution. So it didn't turn into a big thing. And I go, well, he's actually playing pretty, I thought he was, had a decent, you know, half hour or whatever it was. And if he was doing that and some of that was injured, you know, what, what is he actually going to be like, you know, fingers crossed, you know, when he's fully fit, is that, you know, is, was that half an hour just sort of like the tip, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, is he going to hopefully, you know, he should be able to, um, should be able to light it up when he when he comes back. Um, and I agree with you on Smith. I thought he, um, for a young guy, plays some really smart football in the in the midfield. Works really hard. Um, you know, unlucky not to to put that one away. I think even nine times out of ten, that defender sliding across probably just puts it into the back of his own net anyway. Like, yeah. you know, did it, did immensely well to to get the slide, get back, get the slide, and clear it off the line and away. So. Um, very unlucky, but you know, a strong performance there, and I thought it was really good again this morning. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I guess before we move on to that game this morning, um, three to one MVP votes for this one. I'm happy to go first for this one. Um, I guess in losses like this, it's so hard to sort of give out necessarily votes for this one. And and despite the red card, I mean, like you sort of said earlier, I'm, I'm probably going to give Moncur the three votes there. I think for his general play in the game and, as you say, his versatility around the pitch, <laughs> ignoring maybe what I'll do, I'll give, I'll give him the two votes. I'll take, I'll take a vote off him for the red card. I'll give the three votes to Smith, I think, on debut. I think he had a really good display when he came on and was really solid in midfield. So I'll give him the three and Moncur the two, docking the point for the red card. Um, for the one, it's, it's pretty tough. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll go KLP as the easy out. I think he was creating a lot and, and was really trying to keep us in the game and, and create a lot of chances. But... It's a game. It was pretty tough to, to think of um, the three votes in that one, I think. Yeah, look, I also struggled sort of thinking back about who really stood out. Um, interestingly, we ended up with the same three players. Um, I had Smith on top from the get-go. Um, oh, there you go. I had KLP second and I had Monker at one and only on one point for the same reason. You docked him one, I docked him two. There you go. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah. Look, I I think it's it's actually funny because um, last season we sort of would see each other's um, votes before that, but but this season we're doing them completely um, blind of each other. So it is funny that we've come up with the same three players because uh, look, I guess it's just that sort of game where there's not a whole lot of standouts necessarily as a result of the um, of the result, perhaps. Um, I guess even more so with the performance this morning. We'll talk about Derby now. The one nil loss. Um, Going into it, some people were sort of saying it's 
brandishing it as, as a must-win game, which I think is a bit alarmist or a bit um, over the top this early in the season. But I kind of understand the point of view when you think about it from the sense that Derby most are tipping to come last. Um, having just lost to QPR as well, you'd think we'd, we'd need to sort of bounce back and get a bit of momentum back and um, positivity around the squad. So it, it was... For me, it wasn't necessarily the result. It was more so the performance that really concerned me. And, and we sort of talked just before the podcast about the, the nature of the performance. And, and it's sort of reminiscent of a few games last season where we just had no shots, no creativity, no, um, I guess, energy is probably the main word in it. Um, it. It was just frustrating to see. We'd get to the final third. We'd sort of pause, look around, no options. So we'd pass it back or pass it sideways and start again. And it just felt like even when we went behind, apart from a few flashes from a KLP or someone like that, there just didn't seem a whole lot of um, of sort of energy in the squad, I guess. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty concerning on that front that that I, the fact that they could, you could come out of that really disappointing, you know, performing really well but being on the wrong side of it and you'd think they'd be up to, 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 to get on the right side of that scoreline and prove that, you know, what happened against QPR wasn't going to be repeated, that they learned their mistakes. But they came out really flat and really uh, like timid in their approach, as you were saying. Like they would, we would play forward and then no one really wanted to take a, take a risk or take a chance in the final third. And that's, you know, that's why we have those players like KLP or, or Williams or, or, you know, Magenis or even like someone like Smith or, um, you know, Honeyman when he gets back, those players who are there around the edge of the box, you want them to be getting in that position, trying to make some space for themselves to shoot. And everyone was, uh, like, trigger shy today, you know. So it was um, pretty concerning um, overall. I think, like, despite it, despite how, like, uh, lazy the performance seemed to be, um I was still surprised. I guess like it was, you know, Ingram with one mistake and drops it right at the striker's feet. Yeah. Um, you know, their, their keeper dropped a couple of balls and we weren't able to get, um, get you know, be there to, to pick up the, 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 the spilled ball. But I don't know. It was, um, it was difficult to watch, I guess. It's all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess the frustrating thing as well is even with them scoring the goal from a from a keeping error, um, you can say that he sort of, you know, should have done better with it. It wasn't as if that was against the run of play and they didn't deserve the goal. It felt as if when they scored that it had been coming for about five or ten minutes. It just felt like they had, or I mean, I, I guess even before half time, really, they'd had quite a few decent chances. I think they hit the post in the first half. Um, Ingram made a really sort of, Acrobatic save from a from a, I think it was a Morrison attempt as well. I had yeah, that. I had that. that uh, yeah, he, he could have played. He could have played his teammate. Yeah, that that one in particular, I just couldn't understand how they didn't score. They had three three on one, and I was like, "This is a certain goal. All you have to do is play it right." Um, and he, yeah, I, I don't know what happened there, but it was just yeah, it was frustrating. They seemed to have most of the opportunities, and it just felt like we we couldn't get on top in the game. Um, what, what did you make of um, Williams' performance out of interest? Um, at first, in the first, I don't know, 20 or 25 minutes, I was uh, 
he, he, I was taking a liking to him. He seemed to be trying to make things happen and he seemed to be involved. But as the game wore on and his, I don't know, his decision-making or his effectiveness never really picked up. You know, it felt like that first 20 minutes he was he was trying and it wasn't quite working, but he was feeling his way into the game and into the pace and in the championship, but it never really quite yeah. fell. Um, probably underwhelming overall, um, for, you know, for another player that McCann's, you know, got very big raps on and um, speaks very highly of. He's, yeah, uh, underwhelming. Um, I guess tried hard, but just no real um, end product. Yeah, and because I, I don't want to, I don't want to be too harsh on him, you know, on his debut. But it did, it does feel like sometimes with these sorts of players, when they've got a lot of pace, that it's very easy to overlook a lot of aspects of their game because of that pace. Because all you need to do is play a ball in behind, and they'll be the first to the ball, and therefore they've had a good game, or therefore they look really good. But when he's actually on the ball, my concern was that he, he, he did, it did. In fairness to him, it did come off a couple of times. He'd play a few really good passes or touches around the opposition, but. It felt like more often than not, he just couldn't get control of the ball under his feet, and and he'd pass the ball out of play or just you know con- miscontrol the ball out of play. Where I think it was really early in the game, he had a really good chance to sort of cut in on the byline and just couldn't keep hold of the ball, and and it, it ran out of play. But promising signs, as we say, promising signs. Um, he looks like he's got the right mentality for a McCann side, which is to sort of press forward and press the defence. Um, he did feel like he sort of fell back with um, KLP and the others as the game progressed, which is a bit disappointing. Um, the other one who, who was really exciting came off the bench, well, two players who were exciting who came off the bench. Um, Jarvis came off the bench for his debut for City. Um, I thought looked really exciting and really promising. Seems like another um, player in, a, in what's now becoming a long line of academy graduates who could be quite impressive for the um, senior team. Yeah, look, Jarvis, um, I think one of the the key the key moments for him was that I think it bounced back to him in the box off a corner or a free kick or something and he sort of turned and had that half volley snapshot. I think that was a key yeah. moment just because it showed, you know, one he backs himself. He didn't try and do too much with it. He saw it there, he knew where the goal was and he just had a lot, you know, swung at it. Um which, you know, there's we have we have actually quite a few players who are in that position want to take the touch and, and try and do too much with it. And sometimes all you need, especially with all those bodies in the box, like have have a hit, you get a deflection, you know, bounces in at the near post or whatever. Like it's – so I think that was impressive. It was really good, um, good signs. But I think overall, yeah, he, you know, he um, – you know, he he bought into the game plan. He, he was pressing and he was working hard and he was involved in a couple of nice passing moves. So, um Good signs and a good introduction for him. You know, hopefully, um, you know, he gets a few more runs, get bags a couple of goals, gets his confidence up, and just keeps keeps progressing and keeps developing. And in a few years' time, when KLP ends up somewhere else, we'll be saying, "Well, at least we still got Jarvis." Absolutely, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, the other one off the bench was was not so much a younger player, but um, you know, the sprightly young thirty four year old Tom Huddleston. Um, Probably, you know, as um, Fletch was saying in the commentary, probably one of the more universally popular signings that we've seen at City in many a year. Um, of course, on his sort of second debut for City, very good to see him back. And, and you know, even with his first few touches of the ball, you can see that we sort of 
we've sort of discussed or debated what he would add to the team or what what he would what extra dimension he would bring to the side that we don't already have and i think he is he does add that extra element of that that tempo passing that he can break up the play he can then just spray these lovely balls around to to sort of open up the game for us and and we did start to look a bit more aggressive or attacking when he came on whether that was just the confidence of having him on the field or or just the the dimension that he added to the play yeah look i was um i was actually really impressed with with huddleston's contribution in the last 20 minutes or whatever it was um came on instantly involved constantly moving talking you know passing around you know smart touches smart decisions guiding the team around and i think we, we've sort of touched on it like overall we have a really young team and I think we've talked about probably over the last couple of seasons about what we really needed was a really solid experienced head somewhere in that spine um, and I think you know as you mentioned universally loved um, for whatever reason was the player whose um, jersey I want like he's the, he's the name I would have got on the back of the jersey um, had I bought one at when he was last there, and then when I finally got around to do it, to buy a jersey, he'd he'd gone. So second chance, I suppose. I'll better get well, on Tiger Leisure after this. Um, he's uh, is he? He's number twenty three, isn't he? I yeah, think. I'll probably still put his old number eight on there though. Oh well, fair enough. I was going to say, I mean, twenty three <laughs> in world sport is a is a pretty reasonable number as well. Um, so Michael Jordan. I'm not a big basketball fan. I think Michael Jordan might have been twenty three or something. Buddy Franklin in the in the AFL as well, so there's a few um, it's a few famous 23s, so it's not too bad a number. But yeah, number eight's probably a bit better from a football perspective. Um, I guess then just before we move on, if you wanted to kick off with your three, two, one for the MVP, and then I'll give mine. Yeah, look, I sort of agonised over this a little bit. Um, wasn't really sure. I didn't know who to three to. It was hard to decide whether anyone even deserved three points. Um, thinking about, I was trying to think about who was, who performed, I guess, consistently over the whole um, 90, who was involved in a lot of things. Um, and I sort of was tossing up for the three points between uh, Coyle and Elder, actually. So I thought, the right, two yeah. okay. I thought they were both actually like, for a period, they were both, you know, pushing high and creating a lot. I thought, you know, uh, apart from a couple of really dumb mistakes from Elder, uh, particularly that off that throw-in or whatever, where he then just like knocked it out of play or something in the in, late in the second half, a couple of weird things that he that he did. But um, you know, he had his long throws. He got in that couple, in behind a couple of times. Didn't quite have the best, the perfect cross, but I ended up actually going to giving it to Coyle the three points. Um, I just. That he's all he's just he's so busy, but in that, that I just remember quite a few of balls coming into that right hand, our right hand defensive corner, and him, you know, either saving, you know, blocking shot cross with a tackle or, or winning the ball and and playing it out and around or getting it, you know, up the line or something. He seemed to just have that little uh, corner of the field under his um, under his control. Um, and involved in a few, you know, forward forays as well. Um, it did wane a little bit in the second half, unfortunately, but was seemed to always be trying to, to push us forward, um, you know, which I guess is what we expect from him. It's what he's always sort of shown. Um, so I went with three to coil. And then 
after that, unfortunately, Elder ended up missing out completely. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a wild ride I went on. Um, but I gave the two to Smith because um, I thought, again, you know, he showed some really smart play, um, was involved in a lot, um, and just he's, just he's actually he's really impressing me. For someone who I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to come in and he you know, might play a, a sort of a, a bit part role or whatever, like he'll – get a few, you know, half hours at the end of games or whatever, much like Slater sort of was for most of last season. Um, he's pretty much come in and just about and stamped his authority, um, you know, on a team full of much more experienced players. So um, I've been very, very impressed with him. And I couldn't not give a point to Huddleston. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit nostalgia a point of for nostalgia, but also I thought um, he did, he made, there was a big difference and a big shift in the way that we were playing when he came on. We seemed to play both more directly, but also much, we seemed to be real, much calmer in the way that we were approaching that last set um, portion of the game. So, um, so three to Coyle, two to Smith, one to Huddleston. So I, yeah, again, it was very funny that we, we sort of, gravitated to the same players because I was also tossing up between Elder and Coyle and I actually gave Elder the three votes, um, which then meant that I, was, I gave Coyle the two votes. I was, I was fair, fair to the player that missed out on the three votes um, by giving Coyle the two. But, yeah, for the same reasons as you, I think they were very dynamic and, and, and definitely as the game wore on seemed to be our main attacking options, which seems a bit strange to say that, you know, you know, Williams and KLP constantly sort of passing back or looking for the overlap with those two and and they were sort of pressing up and, and putting a lot of balls into the box, which was um, good to see. Um, and then, yeah, I went for Smith for the one. I think, again, very impressive display after the uh, the weekend with QPR. And, look, it's it's going to be really interesting when um, Monker and Honeyman are back fit and available, how we actually line up in the centre of the park because I think, we were sort of debating it this morning in the um, in the chat, I actually think... Um, Smallwood's probably the one that's going to drop out for um, for Smith. So it would have a Smith, Doherty, Honeyman, Central 3. And then I don't know what that means for Moncur. Maybe, maybe Doherty drops out for Moncur. I, I don't know. Doherty hasn't been hugely impressive to start the season. So whether we put Moncur in ahead of him, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting selection dilemma when, when everyone's available, I think, in that middle three. Yeah, I uh, don't envy McCann once once all our midfield options are available um I mean training will be really good because they'll all be fighting their um little hearts out trying to trying to get in that starting 11 but we certainly have a lot of talent at our disposal in that in that section certainly well before we move on to the uh to Fulham preview we will do our now regular uh, triple flashback feature um where we do have a theme or a, or a question for this week, um, which I did let you know when we when we um, uh, drafted up the run sheet. So the question for this week, which we did tweet out as well, um, is to name the last three non-UK goal scorers for City. So not talking Northern Ireland. Um, I mean, really, I probably should have included Ireland as well. I don't actually think we've had an Irish goal scorer for a while anyway, so that's, that's all right. But yeah, basically looking for countries outside of that area of the world. Um, I did give a I did give a small hint, and actually I can give an even bigger hint now to say that it's a player that we've named in our um, in our um, MVP votes uh, at some stage across the two games today. But yes, there's two two of the three players very appropriate for the week that we've just had. 
third's a little bit more obscure, but you did say that you think you've probably got it. So I'll see what your guesses well, now, are. Now I'm concerned. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about it, and then I was, wasn't was sure whether it was whether this was shit like last week championship goal scorers or just in general, like across all competitions, or is this um, championship? Oh, it's, 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 it's goal scorers for us. Well, across all competitions, so in the sense that yeah. one of them scored in League One, but the other yeah. two scored in Championship League games for us. Ah, oh. um, well then, so for one of them, I'm going to go Calamelda. Correct, yep, against Northampton last season in the 3-0 win. Um, what was that? The other one, the second guess is Device. Correct, yeah, in uh, 2-1 loss to Bristol City at the end of last season. Very appropriate. Oh, so the reason that was appropriate, of course, was because we did face him this week um, against QPR. Yeah. And so the clue that you gave me was, um, so the third is a player with an incredibly short but reasonably profitable stay two seasons ago. And now that I look at that, I mustn't have read the reasonably profitable part straight away, like, or not clue on that. Was talking to you about the, the my thought process went into like all of our short term. I was thinking about like six month loan deals and those sorts of things, and so I, and I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember names, and I couldn't remember anything about their heritage and their, um, where they were from. And so I was like, oh, there was that guy that came in from Bournemouth, and I was thinking about Mark Pugh, and he's English, so that ruled him out. Um, unfortunately, in looking for his name, I saw another name, and I was like. That'll be the that'll be the one. Um, and so it feels a bit unfair. It almost feels like cheating. Um, but you know, maybe, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I've, I'm, I'm wrong on this. But I think your third might be uh, Leo de Silva Lopez. Correct. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So he he scored. I don't even know how many goals he scored for us. It might have only been one or two goals. But he did score in that five-one loss to Stoke. So our very own Mitch Wiley was actually at that game where he could see. Uh, Lopez get that goal. So, yeah, it was a very short stint, but it was profitable because I do think we ended up selling him for a profit after, you know, less than 12 months, essentially. So uh, that was, yeah, that, that was the three players. So Elder against Northampton last season, Device against Bristol City and Lopez against Stoke. I mean, I guess of the three, Device, well, by, by default almost, has probably been the most prolific because he also scored, was it the winner against Wigan or he got an equaliser against Wigan or something that season as well? So... He scored a couple for us, I think, that season, um, a bit earlier on. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess lately we haven't had too many uh, non-UK players, I guess you'd say. So um, a bit few and far between, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, I, look, we've got a pretty good habit of our Australians scoring goals. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, Garcia. Well, that's, yeah, that's, actually, that's true, probably. <laughs> I mean, if, if you'd gone back a little bit further, probably before that Lopez goal against Stoke, I mean, I, you probably wouldn't have to go back too much further to get a goal from Jackson Irvine. So yeah. he's probably only just missed out on that that trio. Um, yeah. But, but there you go. So so see if um, you at home uh, were able to get those three players. I would say Lopez is probably the most difficult of those three to get because... I guess in his role in the side, you wouldn't necessarily think of him as a goal scorer. So um, I do think he probably only had a couple of goals for us. Um, I suspect Irvine might have been a popular guess from people because he wouldn't have scored too long before that Stoke game, I reckon. Um, But anyway, we shall move on. Um, So we do have a rather big game with Fulham coming up this weekend, big for a couple of reasons, I suppose. We've got 
our first game against Marco Silva, uh, which is a bit interesting when you think that he left us uh, at the end of our last Premier League season, which just feels like a lifetime ago. Um, so to, to reunite against him, obviously no players that he would have known still at the club. I mean, maybe he knew some of the youth players. I'd probably doubt it, but, you know, credit to him. Maybe he did know the youth players. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, I guess thinking about it, he might have known of or heard of Lewis Potter in his time in the academy. He was probably doing all right at that stage. Um but we only have one win in our last five against Fulham, which was the 3-0 win where the jungle cat Tom Eaves got his sort of scrambly Bambi on ice goal, which was quite fun. Um, but, yeah, um, not too successful other than that. So it's obviously a really tough game. Recently relegated club from the Premier League, um, still essentially got a Premier League quality-ish squad. Um, I guess in our favour, Harry Wilson's still out suspended, so we don't have a reunion with him. Um but, you know, Mitrovic, um, Sarri, um, uh, that kid they've got, I think Carver Hall as well up front. Um, they've got a lot of options. So it's going to be a really tough game for us. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think this is going to be a real uh, a real litmus test of where we are at. You know, this could be a game where we can, might step up to the plate and, you know, either eke out a draw or only, you know, or lose one or two nil, which might be respectable. Or this could end up another, you know, a five or six nil game if we're not careful. I think, <clears throat> as you mentioned, the, the quality that they've got at their disposal and, you know, having come down from the Premier League, and I think they're now seven points from their three games, I think, sitting pretty comfortable on, at the top. So um, this will be um, a really tough game. Um, no idea how this is going to play out, um, but... I, I guess maybe, yeah, I was gonna say. I guess, I, I guess, like how, how, um, I guess, what would you see as a as a positive result in this? I mean, not maybe not necessarily a win, but as you say, is is it is it getting away with a one nil, two nil defeat? Is it just even like the QPR game, showing a lot of attacking creativity and showing that that derby game was a one off? Yeah, look, I think, um, I guess it sort of depends what we're like in terms of the squad and how much, you know, because it is early in the season and, mm. you know, this would be the third game in a week um, yeah. for a lot of players. I would do, are we rotating some of these um, guys in and out to, to try and, you know, stave off those soft tissue injuries that have been our bane so frequently in, in the championship? Um, you know, a little bit of rotation could could change the whole complexion. It might be exactly what we need, um, you know, allowing ourselves to have fresh legs. But Does I does the jungle cat get his return against Fulham? I mean, Josh Magenna's three games in a week for him might be a bit too much for him. So maybe Tom Eves will get a start. Yeah, look, it's it's possible. Um, I, think, I think I'd be happy if we just put in a strong performance. If we turn up and we play the best that we – like our best football – and and we, you know, we don't sit back and try and, like, we, we don't change the way we play. We don't um, do anything too dramatic. But if we come out and we and we have a go and we see KLP, you know, trying to run at those wide defenders and we see, you know, Magenis bustling around and bumping, everyone, bumping people around and, you know, getting onto crosses in the box, then I'd be pretty happy. If we get to see Elder and Coyle consistently, you know, driving down those those wings, um, 
you know, Greaves and, and Jones taking those opportunities to drive that ball into the into the midfield before, you know, passing it off. Um, yeah, those are the things that I guess I'd be really looking for. Um, to um, And I guess I would like to see Doherty get back to his, his barnstorming best from last season. As you mentioned earlier, he hasn't really quite... Um, hit the ground running at this level, but if he can get back to, to into those same sort of things, driving, getting into those wide pockets and driving for, driving into those and driving forward, um, you know, I think he, that'll be a good, that'll be an asset for us in this game. But yeah, um, yeah I think a performance is really what's going to matter. Um, this is almost one of those games, even though, you know, it's the fourth game of the season and the, everything's still so tight. It almost, it feels a little bit, you know, like one of those free hit games, you know, where you go, well, Fulham's probably going to end up top two. Um, and we probably aren't. So why does it, you know, this is a game they're yeah. expected to win, so why does it really matter, you know, if we do lose? I guess, yeah, and the big concern, though, is, of course, that we do have Bournemouth the game after. So I think, as a few people were saying this morning, that, the concern may be if we do if we were to lose the next two games, it's four losses in a row, and and what sort of momentum that creates. But it, it's one of those tough ones, as you say. I mean, it's essentially a free hit. There's not really an ex, any expectation on us getting a result out of this. Um, yeah, I mean, Doherty, Doherty just seems really indecisive. It seems like last season, in situations where he would have shot, he's now looking for a pass or he's looking for a better opportunity and. Um, seems to seems to be almost overthinking things a bit too much. Um, you mentioned there as well Greaves and um, Jones, and and I, I kind of wanted to ask about them because we sort of talked pre-season about um, one of the big concerns being the inexperience between the two, and I think the stat on the commentary this morning was that they had about 150 or 200 games between them in league football, and Davies and Jaggy Olga had 1,300 or something. You know, there's a huge gulf in experience, and... Um, whilst we're not going to have that sort of disparity every week, it, 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 it is a bit concerning that if one of them was to be sort of struggling for form, we don't really have an experienced centre-back to turn to. We have McLaughlin, we have Bernard, who are both basically pretty young players themselves, pretty experienced players themselves. Um, you know, we brought in Huddleston. We did talk at the end of last season about bringing Davies back. Um, it looks like we went for a different former City player to return. Um, but at the time, I remember saying the, the big push for me to get Davies back was just needing that more experienced centre-back to sort of guide these younger players. And just before we went to air, we saw that um, um, Cahill has gone to Bournemouth on a one-year deal. And there was, I think, a few very vague rumours that he might have been coming here at one point in the preseason. But he's the sort of player, not necessarily him himself, um, that maybe we need to find. Maybe we need that sort of 30, you know, mid-30s centre-back. He's not going to play every week like Huddleston, but can give that guidance and experience to the squad and be that sort of reassuring head when that form starts to drop. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a... I was thinking, because um, you had in the notes about whether there was any further signings we needed, and the only note I had written was an experienced centre-back. Um, because I think you look at what, like, the players that went on from working with, you know, Davies and Dawson, you know, Maguire went on to he, to do everything that he's done, you know. Um, and I think 
having that experience there, whether it's playing week in or week out or just training, you know, alongside those guys, having them around um, is going to be or potentially is, you know, invaluable um, experience and information that can be passed on to these young guys. Um, You know, they can, instead of having to learn all the mistakes themselves firsthand, you've got someone there who can say, like, in this position or in this situation, do this instead because, you know, you you make it easier for yourself, you make it easier for your goalkeeper or, like, whatever. Or, you know, if you do this, you can get out, you can do this instead. And I just think... um, it's something that I'm probably surprised that we didn't seem to even look for at all was yeah um, any real experienced players. I guess Huddleston has come in, but it seems like it almost happened more by happenstance or fortune than like it doesn't seem like we went out of our way to find him. He approached the club and said, hey, I just want to try and get fit. And then, and then everyone went, oh, Huddleston's back. And they went, oh, maybe yeah. we should yeah, look at him. <laughs> so like... Um, but yeah, I think if if James Scott, you know, happens to to go somewhere, if that if he, if a deal happens to eventuate for him over the next week or so, how long we got left, then I'd be absolutely saying you should be looking for you know a, an experienced centre half. Yeah. Um, I think there's we've got enough versatility. I think across our mids and forwards that we can work out any issues up there. We've got two out-and-out strikers. You've got Longman and KLP who both probably could play there in a pinch. Um, Wilkes as well. Yeah, Wilkes could play in there as well. So, and then, you know, and then you go, oh, well, you could put Moncur out wide. You could probably put Doherty out wide if you desperately had to or, you know, Emmanuel or something who played a little bit there um, last season. Um, you got so many options and versatility in that, in the, I guess, across those, the midfield and the forwards. That, but our backline is, despite the talent that is there, is lacking a really experienced player and someone like, you know, Davies or freaking Dawson or someone like that would be absolutely perfect. Who would just come in and say, you know, this is what you got to do. But um, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Um, well, um, I guess, do you, do you think we should base, I mean, we were sort of just talking there about potential rotation of the side. Do you see any clear needs to make changes? I mean, the one we haven't really touched on, but there has been a little bit of talk about is Ingram and, you know, a mistake for the first QPR goal and then spilling the shot for the Derby goal as well, whether we use that as the opportunity to bring Baxter into the side or um, I guess you sort of want to, not throw the baby out of the bathwater and make too many changes just after one really bad performance, I guess. I don't know if the, as disappointing as that goal, you know, to concede against Derby and that being the, the, the only goal in it, I don't know if that's the game that, you know, we should be hanging Ingram's like stakes on. I think, sure, it was disappointing, but I think across the rest of the game, like that, should that one moment be the one that, that gets him out of the, the side. I feel like it's pretty early in the season. I don't think he's done, you know, that much wrong in in fairness. I think, you know, particularly in QBR, like he was for two of the goals not helped out at all by anyone around him. So 
Yeah. Um, and that could even be said about those, the one that even the drop this morning, like if, you know, the, the, the defenders like were there close, like as close as the striker was, but the striker was the one who, I guess like, but it is his job to be prepared for that. But like, you know, they let him be free right in front of the keeper. So sort of. Fair enough. Um, well then just before we head off a score prediction for this one. Um, two nil Fulham. Yeah, I'm. I might go. I might go three nil Fulham. I think it's going to be. <clears throat> they're they're pretty prolific at the moment. Um, I'm just as as long as it's no more than three, I can sort of live with that. I think when it starts to get to fours or fives, that you start to think, geez, that's um, pretty pretty demoralising, and and suddenly you're looking at, especially if we don't score. Um, I did raise the red flag in the preseason, and yes, KLP did get his goal on the opening day. But we're you know starting to get to be you know a month into the season, and outside of that Preston game, we're not really looking too likely to score goals. I mean, granted, we did we did do all right in that QPR game, but look, I think as I sort of alluded to before, I think if we can just be attacking, create a few chances in this one, sit back, play them on the counter, which we seem to do reasonably well, as we did the last time we went to Fulham, um, I think that's. That's all I can hope for. And it, it is one of those sort of free hit games. We go into it with pretty low expectations. So I would hope I would hope that we're not uh, disappointed. <laughs> um, it would be a worry. But uh, anyway, I think that's all about, uh, about all we have time for. So thank you for joining me, Dan. Yeah, not a problem. Um, I'll see you again sometime over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're Amber and Black till you die.